0: Lecture notes, utilitarianism, Bentham. The ends justify the means. At this point, you should understand that for Kant, ethics is not just about your actions and the outcomes of your actions. For Kant, having moral worth, being and doing good, roughly, is about having the right motivations and doing the right thing. We're now going to shift to talking about utilitarianism, a moral theory that stands in stark opposition to Kantian moral theory. And sidebar, you'll sometimes hear me talk about a moral theory, sometimes ethical theory, they mean the same thing. Unlike the Kantian insistence that your motives and reasons for acting are of deep importance to ethics, utilitarianism says that the only thing that matters, ethically speaking, is trying to bring about good results or consequences of your actions. If you have read the entire Harry Potter series, you might remember that the character Albus Dumbledore flirts with this idea of the greater good in his youth. But this idea of the greater good isn't just limited to fantasy fiction. We also see reasoning that appeals to the greater good when it comes to things like COVID-19 lockdowns or virtual school for kids. So back when COVID first arrived on the scene, we heard politicians saying things like, we realize this is not ideal and we know that asking everyone to stay home will have negative consequences, but we need to do this in the short term for the greater good. This isn't the only way to define utilitarianism, but it is an example of utilitarian thinking at play. The emphasis is on bringing out the best outcome overall, even if some cuts or sacrifices have to be made in order to get there. Another way to think about utilitarianism is in terms of the phrase, the ends justify the means. If you've ever discussed with your friends whether it would be okay to sort of cut a corner or do something maybe a little morally queasy because it would bring about a good consequence or outcome, then you're already familiar with a key aspect of utilitarianism. For a utilitarian, it doesn't matter how we get to the end point. Utilitarians don't believe that there are essentially wrong or forbidden actions. They don't think stealing, for example, is off the table because stealing just is wrong. For the utilitarian, the question will always be, but does this action bring about overall good consequences? If the consequences balance out to be overall good, then the action just is good. So if, say, a particular instance of stealing balanced out to have overall positive consequences, then the utilitarian would have no problems with it. However, <laughs> lest you get the idea that utilitarianism is just a fun moral theory that lets you take any action, just so long as you can identify some good consequence that will come up as a as a result of it, Keep in mind that in practice, utilitarianism is very demanding to us as individuals, and many people who are committed to utilitarianism as a moral theory end up living very simple lives and sacrificing their own personal preferences for the sake of the greater good. In other words, utilitarianism is not an egoist theory that says only your own personal happiness matters, but it says that everyone's happiness matters. And our goal should be to increase happiness overall for the most people across time, etc. This, this means that utilitarianism is typically pretty demanding to us as individuals, since normally the best way to promote happiness overall is for me to sacrifice my own particular happiness in service of the happiness of everyone else. A concrete example of this would be, for example, me giving up a nice vacation for my husband and myself in order to donate that money to a charity that provides food to people who would otherwise go hungry. The cost of a whole vacation could buy a lot of food for hungry people. So utilitarianism would say that two people losing a nice vacation is definitely outweighed by many, many people receiving the food they need. Utilitarianism a new ethical theory. Let's rewind for a second and think about the idea of an ethical theory. An ethical or moral theory is a view about how to live or how to act. It tries to identify what a well-lived life is or what makes an action wrong or right. Thus far in the course, we've considered a number of different ethical theories. We've covered Aristotle's Virtue Ethics, which focuses on virtue as this completion of human nature that enables us to live well or live a good life. We've talked about Aquinas' Natural Law Theory, which holds that God embeds moral principles in creation that we can discover using our reason. Uh, Hobbes' Social Contract Theory, on which moral rules are like pacts or contracts we make with each other and the government in order to maintain peace and stability for all. And most recently, you learned about Kantian moral theory. Utilitarianism is notably different from all of these theories. It's quite modern, it's relatively simple, and it's imminently practical. Rather than worrying about these grand ideals like human nature and function and God and reason... Utilitarianism simplifies ethics into one basic principle, act in a way that maximizes utility, which just basically means pleasure or happiness, for the greatest number of people across time. Before we get to the historical sources of utilitarianism, let's just practice applying this basic principle to a super simple example to kind of test your understanding. So I'm going to give you two examples and which of the following would be the best action according to utilitarianism. Say you can spend your evening binge watching something on like Netflix or some other streaming service, or you could spend your evening helping your elderly neighbor with some simple but like really important home repairs. Okay, so clearly it would maximize utility overall for you to help your neighbor. Like, yes, that might not be as much fun for you, but if your neighbor has, like, really crucial home repairs and we're assuming they're kind of struggling to do it on their own because of their age, yeah, it would overall bring about the best outcome for you to work with them to help them take care of their property. It would bring great pleasure to them, plus practically it would have a great benefit. Okay, let's try one more application. Say that you get $20 for your birthday, Which of the following would be the best way to spend that money, according to utilitarianism? So option one, spend the $20 on dinner for yourself. Um, Option two, donate the $20 to a charity that sends kids to Disney World. Or three, donate the $20 to a charity that provides free mosquito nets in an area where malaria is prevalent. Okay, so again, I think it's pretty clear that the third action... Donating the money to a charity that provides mosquito nets would produce the best overall results. Like, buying yourself dinner is perfectly nice, but that gives just you a small pleasure for just one evening. Sending a child to Disney World maybe would produce a better result, but $20 doesn't go anywhere near (laughs) very much towards the cost of that. And again, even though it's nice to send a child to Disney World, that's still a relatively temporary pleasure. Mosquito nets, on the other hand, are super cheap, and using them leads to a very significant and long-term positive outcome, namely preventing a serious and bad illness, malaria. Jeremy Bentham. Having gone over the basic idea of utilitarianism, let's rewind and put utilitarianism in historical context. This is, of course, (laughs) uh, this is, after all, a course about the history of Western philosophy. So, in Western philosophy, utilitarianism is typically attributed to Jeremy Bentham. Bentham was a British philosopher and lawyer who lived from 1748 to 1832. He, um, as I said, was a lawyer, but he became dissatisfied with simply practicing law, and instead wanted to change the law and change the underlying social systems Of 18th and 19th century Britain. For Bentham, the chief ethical principle is a principle of utility that goes as follows The principle of utility is that principle which approves or disproves of every action whatsoever according to the tendency which it appears to have to augment, which increase, or diminish the happiness of the party whose interest is in question. Utility is that property in an object whereby it tends to produce benefit, advantage, pleasure, good, or happiness, and this is from An Introduction to the Principles of Morals and Legislation. So in simpler terms, Bentham is saying that an action is right when the action increases happiness or utility, and by utility he means benefit, pleasure, or happiness. In particular, Bentham is especially famous for his emphasis on maximizing pleasure regardless of its source or nature. About this, he wrote, Prejudice apart, the game of pushpin is of equal value with the arts and sciences of music and poetry, which um, J.S. Mill, who we'll talk about next, famously somewhat misquoted in terms of pushpin is as good as poetry. Okay, so pushpin was at Bentham's time. a child's game. So perhaps we could substitute in uh, like tic-tac-toe or the card game war or just any especially mindless like video game. Basically you want to think of some kind of entertainment that's pretty mindless and that's looked down upon as like a waste of time by people. The point Bentham is making is that the only meaningful distinction to make among pleasures is their quantity. So for Bentham, there's no difference between spending like quality time with family and binge watching a guilty pleasure TV show so long as they produce the same quantity of pleasure. In other words, he thinks it doesn't matter how we get pleasure. If we get pleasure from playing pushpin, fine. If we get pleasure from the opera or poetry or other more quote unquote like elite pursuits, fine. What matters ethically is just that we promote pleasure or utility in our actions, Bentham also developed a utility calculus, which consists of seven different variables we should consider when trying to decide how to act. So, for instance, some actions produce very little pleasure in the moment, but may produce a lot of pleasure in the long run, like going to the dentist or taking a college class. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff that you have to think through on Bentham's utility calculus, although we won't look at each of the seven variables in detail. Overall, the utility calculus doesn't give us a neat Formula for how to determine which actions to perform, but it does outline what we would need to think through in making decisions about how to act and what to do. Bentham wasn't just a moral philosopher, however, he was also a social reformer of sorts. He and other utilitarians argued for prison reform, education reform, and were opposed to corruption in government. In fact, I like to think of utilitarianism in its origins as a moral theory of social reform. It's a way of thinking about ethics that was trying to be deeply practical, trying to really improve the world. I don't mind saying that I myself am definitely not a utilitarian, but I do sympathize with this side of utilitarianism. It's easy to see some of the other ethical theories as just sort of like thought puzzles for nerdy philosophers who like to stay inside their offices, stay in their university. But in comparison, utilitarianism can feel like an ethical theory for people who are actually out in the world trying to do good. And in particular, yeah, it was a theory developed by philosophers at a time when there was great human suffering in a rapidly industrializing Great Britain. So unlike some of the other philosophers we've studied, Bentham was a social reformer, trying to help make the world better. Also interesting and important is the fact that Bentham was an early proponent of animal welfare. This might seem uninteresting to us. Like, even if you're not yourself a vegan or vegetarian, you're surely aware that there are ethical debates about like what we owe to animals, whether it's okay to eat meat, etc. But... This is actually a pretty unusual and new situation in the history of Western philosophy. As you've hopefully realized by this point in the course, Western philosophers tended to be pretty obsessed with rationality and reason, and furthermore obsessed with the idea that reason is something unique and special to human beings. Take, like, for example, Aristotle. Remember that Aristotle was all about the unique nature of human beings as rational, he says reason is our function or purpose, and he identifies reason as our function and purpose because he says it's what sets us apart from other animals. This attitude is pretty typical in the history of Western philosophy. Bentham, however, comes along and says that animals matter, morally speaking. Why? Because animals have the capacity to suffer and experience pain. Bentham famously writes, comma, quote, the question is not can they reason, nor can they talk but the question is can they suffer and quote and again that's from an introduction to the principles and morals of principles of morals and legislation so again it might help to put bentham in the context of industrial 18th and 19th century london imagine that bentham steps out of his home and comes face to face with an emaciated cart horse being beaten in the streets of london previously philosophers tended to mostly ignore animals because they lack rationality, but Bentham looks at the cart horse not with the lens of rationality, but rather with an eye towards pain and pleasure. And from this perspective, the horse appears as morally significant, because animals can feel pain and pleasure. This horse we're imagining is clearly suffering. Thus, on the utilitarian outlook, We owe animals a certain kind of treatment, namely, we owe them good and compassionate treatment that minimizes their suffering and promotes their well-being and happiness. So, overall, it's not an accident that today many utilitarians are vegans and vegetarians, since one of the best ways to minimize animal suffering is to refrain from consuming factory-farmed animals.